0: Centigrade. The next step of the complex formation that uses temperatures above minus 20, above 20 degrees C. And what you see is that yes, this can go back and forth uh, between these, but in fact, it's not as reversible as we would think from this diagram. The backward reaction is actually not frequent. So, typically, when you get to an open complex, that complex is going to go on to transcribe. And this open complex is now heparin resistant. The RNA polymerase cannot be uh, separated from the DNA by the heparin. Uh, by the addition of that. And in the open complex, what happens is the DNA strands separate from one another in here, and they form then the transcription bubble where the RNA polymerase is uh, reading the DNA sequence and uh, copying it to make messenger RNA. I keep saying messenger RNA, this is all RNAs, they all work the same way. So transcription then of any RNA molecule. Okay, this is one of the slides that we're going to skip for the moment. Let me just tell you the take home message and that is polymerase is a big molecule. It has multiple subunits and, not surprisingly, with what it's doing, it has multiple different steps and confirmations. Uh, This is from a stuck structure and this here is the secondary channel. That's where the NTPs go in. Here's a quick example where there are conformational changes from the closed complex, in this case, to the, intermediate, to the intermediate complex. Okay, there are four of these and we're not going to go through them now. Alright, so binding of the polymerase to the promoter DNA is step one. Step two, well, I suppose we should say an open complex is step two, but anyway, we go from there, from the open complex, to begin uh, the transcription. And what happens is that those last uh, stages of the assembly of the polymer of the transcription complex, those don't function real well at the very beginning. What happens, we believe, is that multiple confirmation changes have to go in the blue race. And the first several uh, times for initiation, what you see are a bunch of very small transcripts and a few large ones, they get very large here, and so what you're seeing is, takes ATP in order to uh, initiate, and when you add the other three NTPs, you are able to see those uh, transcripts accumulate. So that would be a situation where transcription is going from this tumor, all the way up to the full-length message. If the RNA, if polymerase does not escape the promoter, it right, has to leave the promoter in order to transcribe, uh, the nascent RNA is cut by the polymerase and released, and so what you get are short aborted transcripts between two And 12 bases long. The stronger the polymerase promoter interactions, the harder it is for the polymerase to escape. And in fact, this can be the rate limiting step for transcription. So, gene expression then can be regulated by proteins that affect that escape process. The efficiency of escape varies from promoter to promoter, and it's influenced by the initial transcribed region as well as sequences upstream of plus one. Uh, So this abortive initiation then occurs, occurs to different extents in uh, different promoters. So what's happening during promoter clearance? After about ten nucleotides, the five prime N of the nascent RNA unpairs from the template and enters into the RNA exit channel. The sigma factor, here in blue, dissociates from the core, leaving the core to continue to transcribe In an elongation complex, the size of the RNA-DNA hybrid or the transcription bubble uh, here—it's maintained during elongation—and more or less about ten base pairs. Sigma, on the other hand, gets recycled. So once it has left the initiation complex and made a couple of those. Uh, abortive transcripts. it leaves, and then it is free to associate with a core RNA polymerase to bind the promoter, make the closed complex, make an open complex and start transcription. All right, so what's happening during elongation? first thing is we're traveling to the right. The polymerase is moving to the right along this DNA helix. Before the polymerase, there's got to be unwinding of that DNA so that they can be separated into this transcription bubble. What you see is that this three-prime end is where uh, the addition of uh, bases to this RNA. It's an RNA-DNA hybrid, and this is the strand across the top that is the coding strand, so if you read that, you would see AUG, uh, methionine and continued. Here in green is the template strand, and you see it over here, it is the strand that's being copied as this occurs, and you get the nascent RNA that then is released. After uh, this region of the DNA has been processed through uh, the RNA polymerase producing this transcript, Then the DNA has to rewind again at the other end of the polymerase. So it's uh, it's a complex structure, but if you look at it this way, it's not nearly as complex as one of those structures I just showed you. Okay, Uh, the RNA polymerase covers about 60 base pairs uh, from the ends and that's at the start of elongation and then settles down at roughly 30 base pairs uh, further into the elongation stage. Transcription bubble here is maintained about 12 to 14 base pairs of DNA and this RNA-DNA hybrid is about eight base pairs. So, overall, the rate of synthesis is about 40 to 50 bases per second. It's discontinuous because the polymerase will pause at pause sites, sequences that slow it down. And that's okay because it can continue from a pause and go right back where it was, making RNA. So, we call this a processive process, and all that means is it starts at one place, and it continues for a very long time, or a DNA strands, um, to make the final product RNA. There's another one of those I'm going to skip. Okay. So, Drugs that inhibit the E. coli RNA polymerase have actually been very useful in uh, research that is trying to understand how this transcription works because, again, you can track the complex, and that's helpful. So rifantazine is the one that we use the most. It blocks initiation after the open complex has formed, but it blocks because it binds in the channel for the DNA-RNA hybrid. So once elongation has begun, the RIF has no effect because the RNA-DNA hybrid is there keeping it out. But if it hasn't left the promoter, gone through promoter clearance, then uh, rif anderson will those open complexes from going any further. If the transcription has already begun through the elongation process, then refemison has absolutely no effect because it can't get into uh, the the channel that it needs to be in. right streptolidogen inhibits the elongation stage and it prevents uh, the change in a bridge helix that we think occurs uh, at the time of nucleotide addition and the consequence is that it will stop the RNA polymerase at the stage wherever it is within the elongation stage. And finally, a relatively new uh, drug is Microsin J25 and this is a peptide antibiotic. It binds within and plugs the secondary channel and so the RNTPs are not being able to get in. That's the channel they normally in. Alright. So, the fidelity. It's really important for the cells that they transcribe the RNA correctly, because it's then going to be translated into protein and want it not to be uh, incorporate the wrong amino acids. The reason that this is important is The transcripts can be translated up to about 40 times, so if you have five of those that are wrong, you're going to be making many mistakes in the protein. The error rate that we observe is about 10 to the minus fifth during elongation, and that's not as uh, that doesn't have as many errors as we might expect from what's happening in that transcription world. So that suggests that there is proofreading that's going on in order to uh, put the right bases in. The other thing which uh, is that the RNA polymerase Appears to sort of warm up after it's gone through several abortive initiations, and then it's able to uh, make just clear the promoter. My guess is that this stage, the warming up, is actually some of the conformational changes that are occurring in uh, going from the. Initiation complex to the termination complex or elongation complex. Now, some errors are avoided. In particular, the beta subunit senses mismatch, converts the uh, the wrong here's the wrong NTP, and that converts it from a triphosphate to a diphosphate. And there won't be any incorporation of that diphosphate. So that's one way that uh, proofreading is accomplished. When we look at this, What you see here is we've got the DNA in blue, the RNA in red, and all of this green stuff is the elongated polymerase. When uh, this happens, when there is a mismatch that's detected after the state, so it's already incorporated into that RNA, the polymerase can sense the fact that those bases are mismatched, and that stops the elongation. Now, backsliding is now competing with elongation, and what happens is that the RNA polymerase backs up, releasing some contacts with the DNA, and perhaps extruding part of the nascent RNA. So here's your nascent RNA, although it's at a much earlier stage than this diagram. This <coughs> problem is recognized by two proteins, GreA or Gris-B, and what they do is they activate the RNA polymerase and now cleave off A small piece of the RNA that has the wrong base. So it's backed up, this is wrong, and we're going to cut that wrong piece off. And then having done that, the three prime end of that RNA is exactly where it needs to be for the active site. So it's getting a chance to go back and do it over again correctly. Well, can I interrupt? I have a yes. stupid question for you, probably. So, I always understood that RNA DNA duplexes are more stable than DNA DNA duplexes. So, how is the RNA actually extruded or displaced from the DNA like, initially? Is that understood? It's what it's doing. Okay, you want to think about it you're on the DNA hybrid. What happens is that. That process, the DNA-RNA, first the DNA separating and then having the RNA made, the uh, degree of how hard is it is not, so what should I say, we see this, okay? So the polymerase must have a way to sense and then open that complex. So it actively disengages the end of the transcript. Right. Okay, so we have termination. So now the elongation complex has gone through the gene and the, uh, there's a terminator that has been included at the end of that transcript well. It's not in the transcript, it terminates when it sees a termination signal. So, there's two major kinds, one is called Rho-independent, and the other is Rho-dependent. We'll go through, Rho is a protein, and we'll go through and talk about what it does. The Rho-independent You'll also see it called an intrinsic terminator, and it is located downstream of the stock codon that would terminate the translation of that protein. And we'll look at it. It's followed by an AT-rich region, and typically it will be uh, primarily used in the RNA, what happens is it forms a hairpin and pulls the bases away from the DNA template. So you have only the weak UA pairs, and they're too weak, so the RNA is released, and whatever is happening inside the polymerase during these conformational changes. Um, not having the RNA on there anymore also makes the polymerase fall off the DNA. So here's what the Rho-independent terminator looks like in the sequence. So what you have is an inverted repeat in your DNA sequence. When there is transcription, there is transcription of this